What are we to make of Kansas State after the two-lane loss? We've got your takeaways from Twitter and a Big 12 kick around on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, man, did you catch any of the Monday Night Football action? I saw a little some good things from Jalen Hurts, but I was kind of wiped out from coaching my, my daughter's soccer team, so I didn't really pay too much attention to that. Yeah, I caught bits and pieces. That that's a uh, I wasn't watching start to finish by any stretch of the imagination, but another nice win for Philadelphia starting off the way that they have and Jalen Hurts looking good. Yeah, yay Jalen Hurts, boo Philadelphia, because I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, so I always have to boo Philadelphia. Uh, so Kansas State comes in to Norman this Saturday night, a big primetime matchup, which is going to be a lot of fun under the lights. And it's not quite the game that we thought it was going to be when the, the season started. Now, I was I was somewhat probably on the, the side airing like, okay, Kansas State's not as good as most people think. But the loss to Tulane, a 17-10 loss at home, kind of reaffirmed my belief that Kansas State, yes, they've got a good coach. Yes, they've got one of the best running backs in the country. They've got one of the best edge rushers in the country, a solid defense but I just don't think that they've got the horses to run with this team. Did that game change your perception of Kansas state at all? Yeah. I mean, I think it would have to, and I don't even know if it's just that game alone, but just the accumulation of the start for Kansas state. I, I don't know what it was, John hook, line and sinker this off season. You know, this, I was kind of bought into the idea that Adrian Martinez with Deuce Vaughn was going to be a nice thing that a change of scenery was going to be welcome for Adrian Martinez and that we're going to see him really play his best football. Well, if that's going to happen, it better start happening quick because it sure as heck hasn't happened so far. I mean, he's one of the worst quarterbacks nationally. Kansas State is one of the worst teams throwing the football. And because of all of those problems, or I guess those two problems uh, in tandem with one another, Kansas State lost to Tulane at home, 17 to 10. I mean, defensively, look, you wouldn't like necessarily to give up 17. Sure. You'd like to have had a little bit better defensive performance than that. But I mean, in today's modern day and age of football, if you lose a game where your defense gives up 17 points, probably there's a lot of finger pointing that should be going on offensively anymore. That's probably a game that you shouldn't lose if you only give up 17. So, and I don't care that it was too, too lane. So yes, uh, I, I would say, I guess in uh, closing in short, yeah, the, the loss to Tulane has to – if you thought Kansas State was a team that could come down to Norman and potentially hang with OU or beat OU, or that Kansas State with Deuce Vaughn and with Coach Kleiman, that they were somebody that could be a factor in the Big 12, yeah. I mean, the loss to Tulane, even on its own, has to be something, John, I think that you come away from that and say, okay, well, this is not the Kansas State team that I was sold uh, about on you know during the offseason. Kansas State loses this game after getting two interceptions, 
holding Tulane to 336 total yards, total yards. And again, you mentioned the 17 points, but anytime that you win the turnover battle two to nothing, like that should be more than enough to win a football game, but they just were not good. I mean, Kansas state themselves had only 336 total yards. It, it just was not very good. I've mentioned this on Twitter a couple times, but Adrian Martinez is averaging fewer yards per attempt passing the ball than Deuce Vaughn is running the ball. So Deuce Vaughn is currently averaging 5.7 yards per attempt and Adrian Martinez throwing the football is averaging 4.6 yards per attempt and only 4.9 air yards per attempt. Now he hasn't turned the football over, hasn't thrown an interception yet, but they don't seem to be trusting him to put the ball downfield through the first three games of the season. And you can make the argument, maybe Tulane, maybe they were overlooking Tulane because they had this big road trip to Norman coming up on the heels of that game. But my contention is that once the the whistle blows and that first kickoff goes, you're no longer looking towards Oklahoma. Now, maybe you were, maybe if you weren't as prepared or as focused as you were, should have been on Tulane, maybe, maybe not, but you should be the more talented football team. And once that first kickoff happens, it's all business and it's all focus on Tulane. I, I just, I think this is a team that we, a lot of people expected them to be better. I don't think they're going to be as good. I think they're going to have this season where they kind of fall back to the pack. I mean, Chris Klein is a good coach, but he's kind of been middle of the pack in the big 12 so far in his tenure. He hasn't really helped them, you know, climb into the top two or three of the conference so far. So it just seems to be a team that is like Deuce Vaughn, Felix Anadike Woze, and that's pretty much it. So again, I, I'm I'm not bought in. Now I had a conversation a little bit with some folks on Twitter. Some people are still a little bit concerned based on Oklahoma's recent history against Kansas State. Again, a team, and we were talking about this before coming on the show, that a team that has given Oklahoma some trouble, even in games where Oklahoma was a heavy favorite or the perceived much better team. So given that recent history, what do you make of Oklahoma versus Kansas State this week? Does it give you any kind of pause right now? Oh, you know, Oklahoma is like a minus 13 favorite heading into that game at home. Do you have any kind of pause about Oklahoma being able to cover that or win in a blowout? I probably should, again, just because of the recent history. But the names and faces have changed for Oklahoma. And it just so happens that the most prominent face – in a coaching capacity for Oklahoma played his football at Kansas state. So he knows all about Kansas state's history. He's Britt Venables is not coming into this thing, sleeping on the wildcats by any stretch of the imagination. He's going to be selling this Oklahoma team all week on look what Kansas state over X, Y, Z years, the past decade has come in and done in Norman, Oklahoma. So from that standpoint, man, I just don't see Oklahoma, fallen into the look ahead factor or, you know, collectively as a team looking at this result versus Tulane and kind of then start, you know, looking down the road to TCU and then that Texas game. I think that Kansas state will still have Oklahoma's full attention. And if that's the case for a Kansas state team right now, John, that look, I love Deuce Vaughn as much as the next guy, but listen to this. Deuce Vaughn had a long of 26, right? That was his, his top rush versus Tulane. And outside of that, he had 56 yards rushing on 19 carries. That doesn't sound like the Deuce Vaughn that I expected. Michael Pratt, John, 
finished with 87 rushing yards as compared to Adrian Martinez's 59 rushing yards. So Kansas State, I mean, just to kind of put all of this into perspective for you, Adrian Martinez is somebody that at the quarterback position you kind of feel like can run a little bit. And he's getting outrushed by Michael Pratt in this football game against the Kansas State defense that's, you know, solid typically uh, on that side of the football. So, man, they got some serious problems offensively. I just don't see with Oklahoma, again, you point out the recent history. To me, at some point, yeah, Kansas State can build off of that, John, and say, look what we've done in Norman. But at some point, doesn't Oklahoma come into the thing and say, yeah, we're aware of what Kansas State's done here. And we're not we're not sleepwalking by this thing. Yeah, and Brent Venables, I mean, I think we've learned he's quite a historian. Like he's somebody who's who wants to look back and see what's happened in recent history or in just college football history in general. I feel like the buildup to Nebraska was a lot about who Nebraska has been in the past and what the game has meant to the two teams in the past. Not as much about what was coming, but just like Nebraska is a great program. We got a lot of respect for that program. I think the same is going to be said for Kansas State in the buildup to this game. I mean, you go back to 2003, Oklahoma is the number one team in the country all throughout the season. They go to the Big 12 championship game and get steamrolled by Kansas State 35 to 7 and upset that potential national championship bid. So I think there's going to be plenty of examples to look back on where it's like, okay, let's not underestimate this team even though they just lost to Tulane anything can happen this is a football team that is going to be very well coached very disciplined they've got some talent ultimately though from an analyst perspective I look at this game and I would be disappointed if Oklahoma didn't win this one by 20 points or more again anything can happen it could turn into a close close football game but my expectation is another big time win big time blowout for the Oklahoma Sooners Yeah, and I actually, John, see what you think about this. Look, the situation is different in the sense that Chris Kleiman's not getting fired tomorrow, and he's not getting fired anytime soon. He's nowhere close to the hot seat. But just in terms of the stinky bad loss to Tulane, or at least perceived stinky bad loss, right, to Tulane, we know that Michael Pratt is somebody, (laughs) at least for one opening game, could make some plays against Oklahoma not too awfully long ago, a season ago. But, uh, you know, I do see some similarities in, okay, Kansas State coming off a a loss that kind of nobody expected. Nebraska was coming off of a loss that nobody expected. And yet, you know, how much of the motivation side, like, can you really draw on that? It didn't work for Nebraska. Is it really going to work for Kansas State? To your point, I agree with what you're saying. From just in analyzing the numbers perspective of this man, I think Oklahoma at home should beat this team pretty comfortably with how one-dimensional they are offensively. Yeah, and we'll talk more about Kansas State as the week rolls along and we get into Saturday night football under the lights in Norman. We get a primetime game. That's going to be so much fun. I, I can't wait. Get the kids to bed, throw on some football. It's going to be a blast. Uh, but coming up next, we got your takeaways from Oklahoma's 49-14 win over Nebraska, and then we're going to go around the nation and just kind of throw out some of our takeaways from the college football weekend that was, but first let me talk to you about upside from cringing at the pump to getting an eye popping check at your favorite restaurant. Inflation is hitting us all where it hurts and it really hurts. It's getting me right now at the coffee shop or with my local coffee producer that I buy from. I mean, it's, it's hitting everywhere. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas groceries or dines out with every purchase. You can earn cash back. Thanks to upside. 
To get started, download the free Upside app, use our promo code LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside, check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are claiming more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the app store. So download the free upside app and use promo code lock to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code locked. Okay, Josh, ask the question, simple question, biggest takeaway from the Sooners win go. Let's get them started. Chappie Sinclair, this is at Soonerman2000 on Twitter, says, We have a coaching staff that is preparing their players for victory. They care more. They care about the program more than their image, and it shows. These players are playing hard and playing together and having fun doing it. Program first, team first equals a lot of wins. You know, I did you see the video making the rounds of Brent Vittables coaching up Jaden Davis? Yeah. It, it looked like, Jaden Davis was very receptive to what was going on in the in-game coaching. You know, some people made it out like Brent Vittables was really chewing Jaden Davis. I didn't really get that perception of it. I just got the perception of Brent Vittables in-game was coaching Jaden Davis. But to that point right there, I mean, I just think that there is a great trust and a great camaraderie between Brent Venables, the head coach, and this coaching staff and the players and the way that they're reaching them right now, John. And I think that comment right there, I mean, it just made me think of that moment on the sideline with Venables and Davis. Well, Brent Venables mentioned that in his post-game press conference. He says, you know, these are guys that they are sitting on the edge of their seat and they want to be coached hard. And we're, we're coaching them hard and that's what they want. Like they want to be held accountable for because they know that's what's going to make them better. The way I read that Jaden Davis interaction was, like Brent Venables is coaching. Jaden Davis is also trying to like engage in what Brent Venables is telling him. Like the different, inter- like the physical interaction you're seeing is Jaden Davis. Like, okay, are you talking about like this coach? And then Brent Venables is like, yeah, kind of like that, but like this. And like they're working through it. They're having a conversation. And I mean, Brent Venables is just animated. That's just the kind of person that he is. But I, I saw Jaden Davis like hearing what Brent Venables was saying, trying to show Brent Venables the thing that Venables is saying. And they're working through that together. So that's the way that I took it. I didn't, I didn't see any problem with that whatsoever. I mean, and it wasn't like an argument, like you might see on a football sideline when one coach is yelling at a player and the players jaw back. No, that was a very constructive uh, coaching opportunity, coaching moment, I guess you could say is the best way to put it. Um, so yeah, that's the way I saw that too. It's just a team that wants to be coached hard. Uh, Sammy Chandler, this is at SoonerFam13 says two things. O-line vastly different after Morris came in and the in-game adjustments. We've not seen much of that in years. The in-game adjustments thing, that's to me that's standing out the most right now. Yeah, I I mean, look, if that's your biggest takeaway from the win over Nebraska and Lincoln, I think that's totally reasonable, right? To give up that opening drive scripted play touchdown and then to come back and essentially, John, post a shutout with your starters the rest of the way. And, oh, by the way, score 49 points along the way offensively was incredibly impressive. And, you know, that's been sort of a familiar thread, familiar thought that I'm sensing out there from Oklahoma fans, or sentiment, I should say, from Oklahoma fans, which is, do you think that that game would have played out the same way 
with the previous coaching staff in place. Eventually, we will get to the point where it's not constantly compare and contrast. But, man, it's hard to look at how things played out in Lincoln, Nebraska, and not kind of wonder if maybe it is just simply different with this staff in place. Not that the previous staff didn't here and there on the road have performances where they dominated like this, but man, to give up that opening touchdown again, like you said, adjust like that. And then, Oh, by the way, score the most points that an Oklahoma team has ever scored in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah. Heck yeah. It's impressive. I think the thing we keep coming back to on this is that this team is different. And the, the biggest difference to me is the edge that they play with the intensity that they play with. It's not enough for them to just, to just win a football game. They want to dominate these teams. They want to demoralize. They want to win from start to finish, make it one of these games where there's no reason you should have even been on the same football field as us. That's the, the vibe that I get out of Brent Venables is like when he says like, you know, perfect is the standard. Like I believe him. Like when he says, like, we want to be great. We don't just want to be good. I believe him. And this is a team that's bought into that. And so they want to go out there and put on great performances, not just win football games. And I mean, do they kind of have some moments where, you know, they, they look like they get a little bit sluggish. Sure. That happens to every team at times. And this is a team that's still growing into their own. And Brent Venables, I think in his opening remarks on Saturday, Saturday afternoon, kind of, I think hit that perfectly. Like, they're playing really good football. We have a lot of growing still that we can do, which to me is a really dangerous proposition for a lot of teams. If this team can continue to get better, which if Brent Venables says they've got, they can get better. We're not even seeing their best yet. To me, that's a really, really positive sign. I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, room to grow. And right now the current result is five touchdowns better than Nebraska on the road, which look, I'm not here to tell anybody that Nebraska is, you know, top 25 Nebraska of old or bowl game eligible Nebraska. But still, you go and beat a power five opponent down like that. It's pretty impressive. Going to grab your yeah, attention. That's right. It, it's notable. Uh, David O'Neill, Masters of Education at Dave M. O'Neill says, running game and defense will win OU a lot of ball games. Passing game is good, but has room to improve. Well, I, I mean, that's what we talked about, right? Coming out of this thing was that, you know, as many nice things as Oklahoma did, you know, Dylan Gabriel missed some throws. And I think that's just being objective and, you know, honest about what we all witnessed. And I'm not trying to sit here and act like Dylan Gabriel was by any stretch of the imagination bad. He was 16 of 27 passing and Oklahoma rolled up 580 yards of total offense, but there were throws that could have been had in the game. So man, you see that. And that's exciting for Oklahoma. It's exciting that you went and won a game 49 to 14, all these positive things we're talking about. And yes, I agree with that comment. The passing game has a little bit further. It can go. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Dylan Gabriel would agree. Like he, he, he was beating himself up about the missed throw to Jalil Farouk. That would have been a walk-in touchdown or a runaway touchdown. I guess is the best way to say it at sooner five, three, one says every complaint about Eric gray last week was wrong and can sit down now. Josh. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's just call me out. Why don't you any complaint about Eric Gray or Marcus major was wrong. And you know what? I like what I've seen from both of those guys, especially Eric Gray. Look, I, I named him my dude of the game, which we had. Uh, if you missed that, that's 
this is our inaugural week of dude of the game. And Eric Gray was mine. Uh, obviously over 100 plus rushing yards. The way that if things are blocked up, John, one cut and he's gone. I mean, he can really at the second level, and not that he can't do this at the point of attack or whatever too, but man, if he gets in the hole against a linebacker or even further down, you know, in the secondary against a safety or for some reason a corner's right there trying to make the tackle, good luck because Eric Gray is a tough guy to bring down in space and we saw that again. And it's beautiful to see like a guy, you know, making guys miss so badly that they have to turn around. Like they get spun in a 180. Like that's just a, a beautiful sight. You hate to see it if you're the the fan of that defender, but you love to see it. More than that, you love to see it. Uh, this team has a night and day difference, says Kessler Brock at K Brock 1298. A different day and night, different mentality from last year. We continue to play hard and be aggressive in the second half. I think we give up 30 or so if Lincoln Riley is the coach. That's kind of what we just spoke to, right? I mean, the example that's pretty fresh in most people's memory is the Tulane game. You're up big in that game at, at halftime, and you allow Tulane to kind of walk back into the game and have a chance at the end. Yeah, and there were just so many examples throughout the Riley era. I, I always come back to that Iowa State game at home. I know it wasn't that type of lead, but just a game that felt like it was in hand, and then all of a sudden it's not in hand. That happened, uh, what, a couple of years ago versus Kansas State, where I can't remember if Oklahoma wound up winning that game in Norman or if, in fact, that was another one. Yeah, that was another one that they lost, right, versus Kansas State. So I don't know. And that was a game that Oklahoma had a healthy lead in, and for whatever reason it just evaporates and you wind up on the wrong end of things. So seeing that stricken from Oklahoma's DNA, I know we like to talk about OU DNA, well – getting the OU DNA, getting that out of it is probably one of the best things that's happened around here in a long time. Yeah. They're once they get going, they're not stopping. They're not slowing down. They're not letting you have a chance to catch back up into this thing. Like I think I, I, I ran the numbers and from the first drive after the first drive where they scored the touchdown from that point until about the, I want to say is about the three minute mark of the third quarter, like three minutes left to go in the third quarter. Oklahoma's defense didn't allow Nebraska to cross midfield. So a huge chunk of game time, Nebraska played from their side of the 50. That's dominance. Like whether you force a punt, turnover on downs, turnover, whatever it is, not allowing Nebraska to cross midfield for that many possessions is pretty incredible. And I think that speaks to the, the identity of this team that they're not going to let up. Now, teams are going to make plays like Chuba Purdy. He was making some good plays down the stretch in the last you know, five minutes of that game that gave Nebraska you know, that final score. And that's just going to happen. But this team was still playing hard, and they were making a lot of plays defensively themselves. Uh, Gunny of Stutzman Army, this is at Eskimoki36. He says, that was the most complete game I've seen in a while. Jaron Kanick is going to be a ball hawk. The double pass was a thing of beauty. This defense will be tough one of the best in football. What, which one of those do you want to touch on? Well, first off, I want to touch on Gunny of Stutzman Army. Army is one of my favorites out there. Appreciate him on social media. Uh, yeah, Kanick is, I think, a star in the making for Oklahoma. I've started to say this. He's Danny Stutzman-ish in his first year on campus to me. And actually, John, he might be a little bit ahead of where Danny Stutzman was at 
a year ago, just the things that he's doing flying around. He obviously, uh, in part because Deshaun White got the, the targeting ejection, he winds up being the leading tackler for Oklahoma in this game. And, man, he's got a nose for the football. That much is obvious. He's got an incredibly high motor. He has speed that other guys just don't simply have at that size. So, yeah, I, I love what Jared Kanick is doing, man. And I don't think there's any doubt that I have so, so little doubt that Jared Kanick is going to turn into a star at Oklahoma and be a very, very high NFL draft pick by the time it's all said and done. Both of those are going to happen. So he went from playing like nine snaps in the first game to something like 23 snaps in the second game to more than 40 snaps in this game. And he just rose to the occasion. Like you put him out there in a significant moment with meaningful playing time. And he played really, really well for his first stretch of meaningful playing time. So big, big kudos to, to Stutzman there. And I agree with him. I think this is going to be one of the best defenses in football at some point. It may not be there that this year, but this is a team that's allowing just 10 yard or 10 points per game. And I think that's, that's something that's going to stand out. And if they're able to continue to hold teams into the teens, they're going to win a ton of football games this season. I mean, they're going to have tougher challenges down the road when they face Texas TCU, I think is going to be a tough offense to, to try and wrangle in uh, Kansas. I mean, Kansas right now is a top five offense in the, in college football. We'll see what, what they look like whenever they come to Norman. But I mean, right now their early returns are, are pretty positive for Kansas. Uh, and then Oklahoma state's offense is putting up a ton of points right now too. So they're going to be tougher challenges for this defense down the road. But right now, the early returns are really, really promising. Uh, and then Stoops Ahoy at Stoops Ahoy says, things are physical again in Norman. You can see it in the way the team carries themselves. Again, just the way that they attack and rally to the football. Physical finishes on the ball carrier out there. Yes, there is a physicality, a different brand of physicality being brought to the table in being played in Norman, Oklahoma. And praise, praise football almighty, baby. We've been waiting a long time for that in Oklahoma and Brent Venables. They're finally delivering it. And then uh, at Krish, sorry, he spells his name. Yeah, it's Krish, 2122. Uh, This is Chris on Twitter. He says, attacking what they weren't intimidated. They took advantage of opportunities fast and they're making progress. I think that's the thing that stands out to me is like each game they're getting a little bit better uh, doing both things, both offensively and defensively. And we saw a more expanded playbook and they seem to execute it well. You know, and one thing that I, I think I've been guilty of saying and I've heard others say a lot is, well, Oklahoma, you know, outside of last season, that last season was the weird season where OU just didn't keep getting better as the season went along. I don't know if a lot of times Oklahoma actually did continue to get better. I know that they they won games and won Big 12 championships coming down the home stretch. But I think, you know, really there's a lot of seasons where I'm not sure that Oklahoma technically really got much better as the season went along. I think they just found a way to win games. With this team right now, from UTEP to Kent State, and obviously Nebraska, they just clearly, John, turned in easily their best, most complete performance of the season. So right now with this team, absolutely. This group is getting better each and every week. And at Mark, a duck 
says it looked easy, which against bad competition, it should. And to me, that's, that's what I keep coming back to is people want to just say, Oh, it's Nebraska. Well, you don't just accidentally beat teams by 35 points on the road in a historically difficult place to play against a historical rival. You don't just do that without being a really, really good team. Again, we'll see as the season goes along just how good this team can be. But that was a domination, like absolutely dominant performance on both sides of the football for Oklahoma against Nebraska. And we'll see if, you know, that's as bad as it gets for Nebraska and if that's as good as it gets for Oklahoma. Uh, I, I've, I, I'm trying to think who said this. I'm sure a lot of people have said this, but you always play the one great game every year, right? Your best game of the season. And you always play your worst game of the season. I've heard a bunch of football people say that over the years, and it really kind of applies to probably any sport, not just football. But I don't know. I mean, was this Oklahoma's best game? Like we've talked about, I thought Dylan Gabriel missed some throws out there. So you think that Oklahoma can keep getting better or just John, can they, I guess what I'm asking is can Oklahoma continue to duplicate what we saw in Lincoln, Nebraska, because if they can do that, I'm with you, man. You don't just magically fall into a 49 to 14 victory over a team that again, that crowd man was so hungry, so desperate to make a statement that this thing is not just going to totally stay off the rails forever And guess what? They came out and scored a touchdown on their first drive and then, you know, right right back off the rails for Nebraska. And Oklahoma deserves a ton of credit for that. It's because of how they play. Exactly. Like Oklahoma needs to be credited for the performance that they put on as much as maybe we should criticize Nebraska. But, I mean, Oklahoma did that to Nebraska. Nebraska may not be a good team, but Oklahoma also made them not look like a good team. I think the things that we can point to that they need to continue to work on are, you know, Dylan Gabriel needs to hit some of those throws. He knows that he'll, he'll work on that. I mean, we got improved performances from a guy like Jalil Farouk who hadn't been good the first couple games, but was really good in this game. The offensive line looked better. I thought McCade Mattire played one of his best games so far this season. I think there's still room for improvement with the offensive line. Um, I think the running game was great, but there were times where it was just kind of hit and miss like they were still getting stopped with the line of scrimmage at times um you know defensively i thought it was really good but there were still times where casey thompson seemed to have quite a bit of time and oklahoma's going to face better receivers coming down the stretch like we're or i say down the stretch we're just getting started we're not even we're just three games into the season but you know they're going to get a tough task like deuce vaughn is the, the best player they that they will have faced so far how do they respond to that after that they'll face quentin johnston another great player. After that, they get Xavier Worthy and Bajan Robinson. So the, the tests get tougher as they go. How does this defense respond? And will they be able to hold up against those tough, tough, you know, difficult, talented players uh, that they'll face? That, that's going to be the question because I think with all due respect to UTEP, Kansas State, or sorry, UTEP, Kent State, and Nebraska, they don't have the talent that those next three teams have that Oklahoma will face. And there's emerging talent happening at other big 12 schools right now across the conference. So I I think there's still a lot of room for improvement. And I think that's what the coaching staff is trying to hammer home to these players. Like, Hey, we're pretty good so far. It's been good, but we can, we can take it to another level. We've got another level we can get to and the challenges are going to get even tougher as we go. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to put it is it's been pretty good so far. But guess what, guys? We want more. And oh, by the way, it's not going it's going to get more difficult. It's not going to get easier just because of the results you've turned in so far. You're going to play better teams collectively. You're going to see better players individually. And there's no doubt about that. I mean, that starts, like you said, this week with Deuce Vaughn, who, look, Kansas State might stink everywhere else on offense, right? I think there's one offensive tackle maybe from Kansas State that a lot of people like to be a high NFL draft pick. And then you've obviously got Deuce Vaughn, and then that might be it, right? Malik Knowles at wide receiver I think is a nice player, but if Malik Knowles is all you've got, you don't have a superstar wide receiver. And as a wide receiving core, if that's it, then – probably you've, you've got some problems in that regard. That being said, man, Deuce Vaughn's good enough to be a one-man wrecking crew on you. He's good enough that if if you don't wrap up and tackle and somehow he gets out in the space, he can really make you pay for it. So how does Oklahoma handle that? I think that's something that, look, we probably need to spend more time on this week discussing kind of what Deuce Vaughn, this matchup within the matchup, is going to tell us about OU. Yep, and we'll get to that later in the week, but that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in. Again, we're free and available on all podcast platforms. Again, check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to the show over there. Hit the like button and hit the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. We're going to have a great time talking Kansas State. Also, big shout out to my nephew, Blake, uh, who had a birthday on the 19th on Monday. We're recording that today or on the 19th for Tuesday. So shout out to you, Blake. Hope you're having a great day at school and had a great birthday. But until next time. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer sooner.